This is Alan. This is Matt. This is Lee. And this is The Vinyl Crawl. This is our podcast where we talk about one album and one beer in a pub. Oh, shit. What's this pub called? It's the Sculpt Inn pub. That's right. And it just so happens that the beer we're drinking is the Ballast Point Sculpin' IPA. Mm, yes. Mm, tasty. What do you think Very. about it, Lee? You like it? I love it. What's not Dude, to this love? this tastes like a summer day full of sunshine. A summer so day full of sunshine. I don't think you could get a better review. No. Nope. Oh, man. I don't think it's possible. No. They say it's like apricot, peach, mango. Okay, mango and lemon. That's the yeah. citrus that I'm get getting. Your citrus. It's very citrusy. Mm. And what's funny is they also have a grapefruit sculpin that's Ooh. even more citrusy. It just has a little more sour on the palate. Yeah. I would try it. I'm, I, would, I would be interested it's to try good. it. Usually it's, it's not good. my thing. It's I good. like the regular sculpin better. The regular sculpin is like my jam right yeah. now. Oh, I like the so grapefruit, good. but I'm a big fan of West 6 IPA, which... Mm-hmm. Tends to be kind of like shout the grape- out to local boys. That's right. Oh, yeah. Grapefruit sculpin. Yeah, so. it is a little. It does have that citrus yeah. note really heavy on it. Yeah, I like sculpin because it's just bitter enough without going too far. I understand. And, that. and on the palate, it's really solid. Like it doesn't it doesn't hurt your palate at all when you're drinking. Like yeah, I could drink several of these. Up. Careful if you do. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, little... it's seven. You know, it's not that crazy. It's not like a hell or heaven or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, it's is, a it's ooh, a great beer. That's a good beer too. It's I will cool. stand behind any Ballast Point beer because every single one I've had's been amazing. Yeah, I haven't had a bad one yet. What's What's funny is when I told my roommate, like, oh yeah, you know, talking about what we were gonna do today, and I told her about this, and she was like, well, what beers are you gonna talk about? I, don't, I have no idea. Well, here, I'll tell you something. If you guys did you hear about Depends on what the pub has last, she asked me if I knew about this. So they just sold this beer just was bought out by what's the company name? Um, it's whoever does Corona. And, yeah. Is it Miller? I can't think of the name. Not Miller. No, it's, it's a big one, though. Yeah. But I can't think of the name. Well, they just got bought out for a billion dollars. Right. My with, roommate was really excited to send me in with that knowledge. Like, which is why we have it here. Beer. That's why we have it here. Yeah. Now. Yeah. It was just a San Diego beer, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Because my wife has friends in San Diego, and they were telling me, oh, if you ever can get Ballast Point, you should try it. It's Distribution. awesome. Distribution. Before, yeah. I was having a friend of mine bring it from Illinois back right. when he oh, went that's up right. I actually remember you talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. You brought me one, and yeah. I really enjoyed yep. it. Yeah, yeah, you brought me a grapefruit, I think. Mm-hmm. Really good beer. Solid, solid beer. Yeah. Probably my favorite IPA of the of the right now. It changes constantly, but it's my favorite right now. It's fair enough. And the album we're talking about is... My Aim is True. By Declan McManus. Pretty much. A.K.A. Elvis Costello. I only know that because I just got done reading his book. Read the book. Fair enough. Yeah, I read the book. Truth be told, I never thought about it. The book was great. When, well, no, not the book. That that's not his actual name. Yeah, it's a. I mean, when you say it, you're like, oh, of course, that's not his actual name. Right. But I never really thought about. So it. the story behind is his Elvis Costello moniker is he was in the folk scene in England mm-hmm. in the early to mid '70s doing his his folk songs. Which, which like, I could see that as Declan McManus. When he got to Stiff Records, who wanted to sign him because he was buddies with Nick Lowe, who mm-hmm. kind of got him into Stiff Records, they were like, "Look, dude, your name's terrible." We're going to have to change it. So they picked Elvis Costello for him. That's funny. He was already a huge fan of Elvis and whatnot, but he was like, oh, Jesus, this is going to be, he's like, this, this name is so ridiculous. It has to work because it's Elvis. Like who's going to name themselves? Who has the gall to name themselves Elvis? So 
you know, with the other Stiff Records punk groups, it worked perfect. You know, you had Ian Dury and the Blockheads, you had the Damned, and then you had Elvis Costello, and you also had the Police. They were on Stiff as well. Okay, that actually, that all makes total sense. I didn't know any of that until yeah, you just said that. they were all on that, that same makes... label. And the, the thing about My Aim is True that's so important was all of those bands were on the same label, and they all kind of had their first albums out, and they did a huge U.S. tour. The only band that ever really made it big out of that whole group was the police. Police, yeah. yeah. Elvis Costello had a cult following, but he wasn't huge in the States like he was in Europe. He was a lot bigger in mm-hmm. Europe than he was in the States. But uh, My Aim is True is, I think to me it's like a, I'm going to say it's a five-star album. I'm going to say it's like a four-and-a-half-star album because there is a little bit of fill in there, mm-hmm. but that album just comes out of the gate so fast and hard and quick. It's, you know, it's three minute pop songs, songs that just yeah. hit you and leave. And, and each one, you don't have time to catch your breath. They're so quick. They're one right after the other. Totally. And they're, and the thing that I like about it so much is like, it, it starts perfectly. Welcome to the working week. Like that's, that's the way to start an album is, you know, you're starting an album with like what it's pretty much an introduction to the album. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the working week. Welcome to the working man's album here. He was kind of labeled as pub rock in Britain at the time, which were bands that kind of just came into a pub and played, you know, rock blues music and whatnot. So he kind of was labeled into that. So I think welcome to the working week kind of fits that moniker a little bit, but, um, I, I'm actually, I'm more interested before I get too far into it to hear Lee's take on it because you weren't super familiar with the album before we talked about... I, I was really... I mean, I feel like a lot of people who are into rock and roll in general probably know the song Allison. Yeah. You know, that's a pretty ubiquitous... Uh, but no, I really... I knew next to nothing about Elvis Costello. Before you talking about me needing to listen to this and throwing it my yeah. way, what I knew about Elvis Costello was that he had let suicide open for him on a European tour. (laughs) And when the suicide freaked out the crowd and got a bunch of booze, the Elvis came out and told the crowd to fuck itself. Yeah. Well, Elvis Uh, was the geek guy of the group, right? You had all these punk rockers that were crazy as fuck. You had the Mm -hmm. damned, you had shit like that. And then you got this dude in like black rimmed glasses and like a buddy Holly routine. It's like, what the fuck is this? But as soon as the band kicks in, shit just, for sure. goes mental because they're so good. And and so I definitely like I see a connection between this record and on one hand those really early punk bands of the 70s like you know the sire bands of New yeah. York. Like I see overlap with that, you know, the short songs uh you know hardly anything over 3 minutes. Yeah. Everything's very direct, very to the point. Um the other thing, and this is what makes it tough for me, is I was almost surprised to hear you say that, you know, being on the same label as the police, but then on the other hand, it makes total sense. Because that's the biggest thing to me working against this record is like my personal bias. There are a few things I hate more than white boys playing upstrokes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just like the white boy reggae thing with the exception of the clash. Which okay. isn't fair. That's not fair of me. Somebody could talk about how that's like a hypocritical stance. Which that that's was, fine. So that's a good point with the clash that you just brought up was there was an ongoing argument about who who's played it first. Was it the clash or was it uh, Costello's drummer 
that did that drum beat at the beginning of, of watching the detectives mm-hmm. because there's a clash song that uses that same drum same roll fill, at the beginning. Yeah. And they don't know who, who nicked it from who that's the thing is cause they were both playing together at the time. But I mean, the important thing is that they both nicked it from correct people correct. in Jamaica. Yes. Making this music. Yes. And it's like, you know, cultural appropriation, whatever. Yeah. I just don't like it. I really like, I do like reggae. I do like dub. I'm not as familiar with ska in so like, like its original beat, sense. Things like that are yeah. kind of lukewarm to it. I probably. just, I'm not really into it. And I mean, whether you're talking about here in the seventies or whether you're talking about that God off fucking my heart. magic <laughs> band. I'm trying I'm to hide it. You're breaking my heart. I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I, it, so that's a personal bias, but I will yeah. say, even though that is all over this record. And so the first couple of times that I listened to it, I'm just like fucking upstrokes, man. I'm so sick of these goddamn <laughs> upstrokes, but i kept listening and I kept listening and probably like the, the second worst offender other than watching the detectives yeah. is probably less than zero. Right? No, hold, but hold on. Hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. I'm, I'm listening. But of like the upstrokes, the white boy yeah. ska thing. And I really, really, really like that song. I do that. Like, I guess if I can explain it a little bit from reading the book. Okay. I, I will hear it out. He wasn't that great of a guitar player and he knew it. Mm-hmm. Costello wasn't. But nobody else was really doing that at the time, that style. And he knew he could do it and do it fairly well. So he kind of appropriated the style more than more than appropriating reggae as his own. Mm-hmm. He was more like, I really like the sound of playing this way. And I'm going to write my songs the way I write them, but I'm going to play it with that sound, which is kind of less than zero. It's not a reggae song, but it kind of is. I mean, those those upstrokes, it's a reggae guitar part, but the rest of less than zero is not particularly ska or yeah. reggae. I mean, I guess the there's something kind of island flavored or something yeah. to not necessarily the chorus, but the hook, the the wordless hook. The, right. Hey, hey. But man, that's just so infectious. And it like really the, the way, like his voice, like the, just the little bit of the scratchiness to his voice as he hits the, hey, ooh, hey. yeah, God, I love it. I really do. And so the album on the whole, it took listens. It started to grow on me and I started to feel like I got. What are you doing about mystery dance? That's uh, the one that's like a minute and a half. And it's just blazing R&B. Like, it's R&B as fast as you can fucking oh, play it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, truth be told, the reason that I'm struggling right now yeah. is probably tells you that, like, it didn't make the biggest impression right. on me. But I, that doesn't mean, you know... It's probably because there weren't so many upstrokes on that song. <laughs> I'm just telling you, man. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> straight R&B. That I think about, like, I think Allison is a great song. Really, on the whole, I do like the B-side better. I will say that, like the the B side yeah. to this record. So that's where you get in the Washington Detectives. Yeah, Angels Want to Wear My Red Shoes. Angels Want to Wear My Red Shoes was a great song. I mean, I found myself singing like Miracle Man to myself a lot. Yeah, that's a really good song. Make as well. me a miracle mm-hmm. man. Yep. Uh, it's got his that turnarounds hook. are so nice. Like they are. He just really knows how to layer a pop song to give it kind of a hook. It, I think it's kind of why McCartney wanted to work with him. At some For point sure. in time, because he has that same, you know, he was a huge Beatles fan. Mm-hmm. And I think you can hear that in a you lot can. of his chord progressions and the way he does the turnarounds a lot like McCartney liked to do. And, and also like lyrically, which like some people will say works against him. I don't, I'm not somebody that's yeah. so invested over it that I 
you know. I thought lyrically he was pretty strong in this album. For this to be his first album, yeah. it is and, pretty and strong. to write like a song like Allison, which is still played on call. I heard it on Revolution just the other day. I'm yeah, sure. yeah. Well, um, Allison is like you know for that the song with heartbreak or unrequited love or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it. I mean, it's yeah. it's hard to get much better than that. And he's kind of always lived in that shadow of that song because it's all it's been his most popular song for sure. Um, but I I don't know. I the thing about I'm not going to say that My Aim is True is necessarily his best album. I'm not going to say that, but I think that for a debut album, I think it's super important. It's really impressive. And I know that like he worked for a long time, like you were saying, I guess under the different name. I didn't know that. But yeah. in his words, My Aim is True was seven years of work for an overnight success. Yeah. You know, like no attention from labels or whatever right. for seven years. And then he records it in a hurry in late night sessions. The band, his band he had, they hadn't played together very much at all. At all, yeah. And truth be told, like, it, I do think it's a testament uh, to the songs because it's like, you know, the rawness of that band, I do think, is pretty evident on yeah. the record, which is like... Their their first two albums are both really raw like that. Like, there's My Aim Is True, and then they followed it up with This Year's Model which had radio radio on it, Mm -hmm. which that's kind of when he, he hit his peak in the U S when he came on Saturday night live and started playing less than zero because the suits wanted him to play less than zero. And then he throws, tells the band to quit and they bust in the radio radio. You probably, have you ever seen that before? Mm -mm. Uh, It's amazing. It's one, it's, it is one of the best like live music performances ever because, and you can tell it by his singing and by his lyrics. He's snarky as shit. He is just a snarky motherfucker. Like his lyrics always want to cut just a little bit. Yeah. And that's that's where the punk ethos I think came from is a lot like the the replacements that we talked about True. on a previous episode yeah. was it's that not giving a fuck. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. I don't give a fuck what you labels say. You guys think you know what's going to work, but this is the way I'm going right. to do it. And that's kind of one of the great things about Stiff Records. It <laughs> All of the bands on there, what, you're like, what was it there? Why what, are they on there? What was their motto? But if it ain't stiff, it ain't worth a fuck. Yeah, that's, that's so amazing. <laughs> you know, you have this collection. It's almost like the island of misfit toys. Right. You have this collection of artists that don't care and completely mismanaged. Like stiff records oh, was man. so mismanaged. Yeah, they fucking bellied up because they were so terrible. They didn't know what they were doing. They were just like, we want to be weird. And we want to put weird acts together. Yeah. Oh, you know? man. Well, and I will say, if anybody ever gets a chance, there's a box set out, the Stiff Box, and it's four disc, and it compiles all the artists that were on there. Yeah. It's worth it. Um, there's a band called The Rugulator, and they had a song called Cincinnati Fatback, which is funky as all get out. <laughs> But they were on stiff records. Yeah. And it, I mean, it worked though. Every band was so different. I mean, the, awesome. police, yeah. the police are different than Elvis Costello, like light years different. Yeah. Outside, of, outside of like the little bit of reggae between yeah. the two. I mean, if we're going to talk about appropriation, the fucking police. I mean, yeah, they're way worse than those. Way but, worse. Totally. But they're just, they're such different bands. And that's, you know, in his book, he talks about, he was on tour bus with all the other stiff records bands. They're going across the U.S. and he fell asleep in his in his seat and a couple of dudes from the damned started ashing in his mouth. 
just to see how long they could get it. And he woke up with a whole mouthful of like cigarette butts and ashes. I mean, the damned were fucking crazy. They yeah. were insane. That's nuts. so to mix them with like, oh, I would you know, kill a motherfucker. That's, <laughs> but to mix them that's with initiation, to mix oh, them dude, with like geeky Elvis Costello and the attractions. I mean, that's that's insane to mix those two together. But now the attractions, you just you just reminded me. So the attractions are not the band that are on My Aim is True, though. No, they are. That are is they? the attractions. Yeah, that's Elvis Costello and the attractions. I believe. I believe it is. Are you I'd, sure? I'd need to double check, but I'm pretty sure they play on My Aim is True. Because I thought, no, 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 because he did My Aim is True. Is it just Elvis Costello? It's not. Well, his name is the only one on the record. Okay. But he did that with a band that was, you know, I only know this because you may, you know, you told me to listen to it and yeah. knew we were going to do this. So I like to research it and was reading Wikipedia yesterday or today and was talking about like the band who did this record. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Didn't ever play it live until something like well he 10 had, years ago he had a couple of guys from the attractions on this album gotcha. so so steve neve what they called steve naive because oh, yeah. he was so naive once he got to the states he just his name was neve so he had to go as naive as the nickname he plays on the organ and all the piano parts so Word. he he works on washington detectives he's he's the one that does the amazing organ bit on watching the detectives gotcha and that kind of makes the song in a way for sure you know that that whole bit where he does the he does the run up hide and he goes yeah like that makes it in totally. a way. Um, I think that the guy that played drums on Watching the Detectives, Steve Golding, I think he might have been the drummer for the attractions. I can't remember. Gotcha. But Nick Lowe plays on some of them too because Nick Lowe produced it, I believe. So gotcha. He put a band together right after the album came out, and that band was the one that went out on tour. Yeah, and, and that's that, the attraction. And apparently. From what I understand, technically two versions of this album exist. Oh, okay. One that we have today and one that was just all the same songs re-recorded with the attractions. Oh, okay. And those songs have never, apparently never seen the light of day. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, that That's was cool. just when I was reading yeah. about it on the album. It's like not even as like bonus material on anything, like, which is really interesting. I would be really stoked to hear those sessions because on one hand I do feel like, you know, more competent musicianship and this is coming from a dude who loves punk. Don't get me yeah, wrong, yeah. but more competent musicianship probably would have helped this album. And also understanding like, okay, you go into the studio and sometimes, you know, you take a rougher, yeah, a, a, a more rough take ends up being on the record because there was more passion right. to it. And, and sometimes the more of, you do it, if you record it twice yes, or three times, yep. even if you didn't miss any notes or whatever on that last take, everybody's kind of bored of it. The magic's gone a little bit. So the Nick Lowe aspect of that is, I think Elvis and Nick Lowe used to argue a bit because Nick Lowe wanted to overproduce it a bit to make yeah. it a little more like round the corners on it. Which Nick he was, Lowe's, he's more of a pop Right. Type artist. And a great pop artist. Oh, my A gosh. fantastic pop artist. But he's more of a pop guy, whereas Elvis was a little more of the snark and punk side of yeah. it. So I think there was a little bit of a battle, which might have led to why there was two different versions of the album, for sure. Gotcha. But if, yeah. if you like if you like any of My Aim is True, mm -hmm. and, that, and this is for listeners as well, look up Live at El Macombo with Elvis Ooh, Costello and yeah, the Attractions. Yeah, yeah. 
Because here's That's, the thing. The punk bit comes out more of their live show because he was popping speed every night. The whole band. Oh, yeah. They were getting fucked up before they got on stage to just get going. And on the Elma combo, they play shit so fast <laughs> and blazing and they're just sweating and it's just like everybody. And he's just staring at the crowd, like staring daggers through the crowd. It's, it's as punk rock as it gets. As far as that goes, they do less than zero double time. Like it, <laughs> he can't spit the words out fast enough while they're playing it. It's, it's amazing. What's that make it about a minute 10 <laughs> then less than zero is one of the longer songs because it's got so many lyrics to it. It's, yeah. That thing's a whole story. It's a whole book. You're reading a book with just that one song. But For sure. I need I that's one thing I haven't done. I haven't sat down like with the lyrics. Yeah. And you know, some people they listen to music and that's like the first thing they hear and they digest. It's absolutely the last thing. Oh, really? On my list. And it's like I don't know, just preferences. Yeah. Being for somebody sure. who like is an instrumentalist, like drums, bass, keys. Yeah, guitar for sure. like in that order is what i well shit we need to get leon you know when we do talk talk when we do laughing oh, yeah. stock and spirit of eden you can't Absolutely. understand a fucking word on either one <laughs> that's of true albums. yeah dude i don't need it i really it's don't just, <laughs> it's just muttering through dude, the whole I, thing I, and i had you listen to that red red meat album yeah Money gets paid dude there's like seriously like six lines of understandable lyrics on the whole record i'm don't good care. with that i mean Love the voice it. is an instrument use it however you like exactly yeah yeah most definitely so I haven't asked you much of anything, Matt. I feel bad. I feel like it's been me and Lee talking most of the time. What, I'm soaking it in. What do you think about like watching the detectives and Lesson Zero and Allison? Well, to me, this album definitely not his best, but as a debut album, it makes that splash that you need to make. It hits that cliche debut album thing, right? It Where does come out strong, on and that it's debut. got some of it, probably Allison, obviously one of his best songs. You know. Um, but to me, it hits that perfect mark of about, what is it? 30, 35 minutes, maybe. <laughs> it's gotta be right there. It can't but be much longer. there's something to be said. This is a great example of less is more. Oh yeah. You know, so many bands worry about filling up everything and it's like, yeah, it's just like Van Halen and the David Lee Roth years. <laughs> what diver downs clocking in at 27 minutes or 28 minutes. Well, that album sucks. That's not a good, um, diver down was okay. Wasn't it? Didn't have ice cream man all, on it. No, that's the first one. It's all cover tunes. Women and children first. Little guitars on that diver down. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's okay. Filler. But yeah. you it's know, okay sometimes that. less is more to make a great album. but doesn't have to be 75 minutes or oh, God, 60 no. minutes or God, whatever, no. you know, yeah, thirty-one minutes or whatever, and it's hey, okay with me. You're plowing through all these great songs, and especially if you're a punk band, you gotta have a short album. That's just you got to. Yeah, Dude, I mean, if you can leave a crowd of people or a listener thinking like, if it ends before they're ready for it to be over, and that thought is like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah, like wait, it's already Boom. over. Like what? Uh, yeah, leave them wanting more. Yeah, exactly. Because what they'll do is they'll turn it over and they'll start it again. Yeah, like you know, like Minor Threats, like twenty two songs on an album. It's only twenty eight minutes. <laughs> why would you? Why would you make it longer than that? Yeah, right. I don't know. But I, I'm probably I don't am I am I kind of the odd man out on this? Is thinking this you're, one's is you're coming off the book high. Probably am. You're coming a little am. bit off the book high. I'll, I'll be honest. I and liked My Aim Is True a lot before I read the book, 
but I really appreciated his later work a lot more after I read the book because he's had such a fucking varied career. When you can go from my aim is true to working with Burt Bacharach, that's, and Pretty Alan epic. Toussaint, that's a huge almost career. Almost blew a country album. I a mean, country he's album, almost blew a jazz every... record. Uh, he did a classical album. Yeah. He did the Brodsky, the Brodsky something, mm-hmm. or I can't think of the name of it. It's uh, the Juliet Leathers. It, yeah. It's a op- opera piece, mm-hmm. pretty much, or, or classical, or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. It's like a quartet with him singing over it. He, he's done absolutely everything. And you could devote a whole podcast like series just to him for sure. The same way we kind of did Dylan in the eighties, except it'd be a lot better to do Costello in the eighties than Dylan in the eighties. Really? Are you sure? Yes. Outside of a couple sure? albums like goodbye, cruel world, the rest yeah. we could do. We could do pretty well. I mean, almost blue is eighties. Yeah. Spikes eighties. Spikes eighties. Um, uh, uh, the one after King of America's eighties. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, He's got a lot of good eighties yeah. albums. So we could do a whole series on him in the eighties, but yeah, I think that, I think that I probably have a bias just because I did get done with the book, That's but funny. I would highly suggest the book's called unfaithful music. I would any, any music fan should give that a read. Not, not just for Costello, but all of his stories about other musicians and there's lots of Dylan stories. Yeah. There's lots of stories with McCartney. There's lots of stories with uh, Toussaint, all the guys that he, he's got a whole section on, just Hurricane Katrina going down there and working with wow. Alan Toussaint mm-hmm. after that happened. That's awesome. I know he was in a TV show. He made an appearance in what, Treme, I think is what it was yeah, called. Yeah, right. It was the HBO series about New Orleans post-Katrina. He also had his own TV show called Spectacle that is insanely good. Spectacle with Elvis Costello. Oh, yeah. It ran for a season or two. Yeah. And he, what he would do is he would bring people on that he liked that maybe not everybody knew. Jesse Winchester is a fantastic example yeah. of that. He brought Jesse Winchester on. Dude did one song and everybody in the crowd and on stage was crying. It was so good. Like he brought people that he really admired onto the show that might not necessarily get screen time any other That's way. That's awesome. So I would highly recommend that too. Yeah. Jesse Winchester definitely doesn't get a lot of love. No, not no. at all. Not at not, all. Not that I know anything about it. I just know we bought a bunch of them recently. And yeah. We bought the worst ones, too, at the shop. <laughs> They're the worst Jesse Winchester albums. It's so sad. But Mayhem is True, great album. Give it a listen. Yeah. It's maybe a maybe listen. not essential for everybody's collection, well, but at least but give it a listen. You need to listen. Give to it a listen. You got to know. I'm glad. I'm glad I did it.